you wouldn't know from seeing me on the street that I have stage four lung cancer and was told I wouldn't survive out the year 2014. I mean, I have such a great quality life. Advances in lung cancer treatments over the last few years have made it possible to live with lung cancer for years after diagnosis. But the slightly clinical term lung cancer research really means life with family, friends, and treasured experiences to an incredible group of people living with lung cancer. I'm Diane Mulligan. And I'm Sarah Beatty. In this episode of the Living with Lung Cancer Hope with Answers podcast, We'll find out from this group of lung cancer patient advocates exactly what living with lung cancer looks like for them. It's everything from gardening to making dinner to spending time with family and getting out there every day and exercising. Chances are living with lung cancer looks different than you might think. Lung cancer is a tough topic. It's a disease that affects patients, families, friends, co-workers. But first, it's a disease that affects people. The Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast brings you stories about people living, truly living with lung cancer. The researchers dedicated to finding new breakthrough treatments and others who are working to bring hope into the lung cancer experience. World Lung Cancer Day happens every year on August 1st. This year, a group of LCFA's patient advocates showed the world how they're living with lung cancer as fitness buffs, passionate home cooks and bakers, community contributors, and more. We hosted a Facebook Live event from sunup to sundown that day to demonstrate what it really means to be living with lung cancer. Let's listen in to find out what drives each of these people living with lung cancer. Frank McKenna is an exercise guru who also is fighting lung cancer. He believes that you must decide to win the day every day. Even if sometimes you don't feel like you won, get up the next day and say, that's okay, I will win today. That has been my philosophy. I even have these wristbands that I make up It says win the day on one side. It says make history on the other side. I felt like when I went to bed at night, I didn't feel like I won that day. I felt like cancer beat me today. And I was determined that night. I I, I remember I laid on the couch all day. It was a Saturday. It was early fall during football season. And I laid on the couch all day. My mind said, get up, let's do something. And I couldn't. So I, I went to bed that night and said, man, cancer won today. And I said, I can't let that happen. So I came up that night and said, we might have won today, but I'm going to get up and win tomorrow. I'm going to win the day. And that's what my philosophy became, win the day. And if you win day after day after day after day, you're going to make history because you're going to outlive all the predictions of what lung cancer, the predictions for the mortality rates for the, for the six month and the eight month and the five year, you're going to outlive all those and make history. We need to make history and have people living longer and longer. So I had wristbands made up that I give out to clients and give out to to people that follow me. And we wear these wristbands as the reminder that no matter what happens, win the day. And if one day you don't win it, that's okay. You get up the next day, win that day. It doesn't have to be every day, but if you can get more days that you win than you don't win, then you're gonna be in good shape. 
While Frank is winning the day, Terry Connoran, who has the KRAS mutation, is very serious about playing another game with her family, fantasy football. Her goal? Creating a sense of normalcy. When we're when my family's playing, you know, it, it's it's about how your individual team is doing. They're not taking pity on me. They're not letting mom win because it's mom's having a bad day or mom just had chemo or mom just looks like whatever. And, you know, and we know that the kids aren't playing each other just just for that. They're really putting their hearts into it. And so it, it, it means a lot to just have that kind of sense of reality, the, the normalcy, the, the fun in just kind of a spontaneous way. Our teams and our draft has actually become a huge experience every year and in our family uh we get together usually over labor day weekend and we we draft players uh we have a very unique scoring system and we just play for the glory and we play for prizes that usually involve things like candy glory bragging rights and first person gets soap and the christmas gifts Terry isn't kidding when she says the family takes this seriously. And Speakers Bureau member Jill Feldman is a huge KU Jayhawks fan. But she also is a camp counselor for Culver Camp, a camp for 1,400 children around the world that helps them develop self-esteem. The camp has been part of Jill's life since childhood. In fact, she talks about how one of her strongest memories is when she went to camp right after her father died from lung cancer. I started going to camp when I was younger and I, when I was at 11 and when I was 13, you know, my dad died. He died about six weeks before I went to camp. And so I remember my mom saying to me, you know, you go, go away from camp and I'm going to tell your counselor, but you make camp what you want it to be. You can tell your friends or you don't have to tell your friends. You get away. At home, things are very unpredictable and just, you know, right now, not, you know, completely consistent. At camp, you're in a completely different setting and it is what you want it to be. And I loved it camp as it was, but it was then that I realized that it really was, when I went to camp, it was just my dad dying was a mere part of my life. So I went to camp there and then I worked there in college. Mm -hmm. And then when my oldest, my son played travel baseball, so he didn't go. But when my oldest daughter was nine, she went to camp. And it's, that was, I mean, 12, 13, 12 years ago, 2008 was her first summer. And when my youngest started camp, I started working there again in 2012. So, and I almost didn't make it because I had had progression that winter and that spring. And I was really nervous. And it was at that point that I said to, my doctors thought I was nuts, like, what do you mean you're thinking about going to campus? I had something go up in a scan in winter and then a couple more things in April. And I said, seven weeks is not going to make a difference right now. I need it. Everything needs to <laughs> revolve around camp. And it has since then. And I, 
you know, the camp itself attracts 1,400 campers from 40 some odd countries and 40 states and everything it stands for in terms of, you know, honesty and leadership and self-discipline, consideration, cooperation. I love, I love everything about it. And I love my campers and my summer family. It is clear that living with lung cancer also means giving back for so many lung cancer patients. In fact, some, like Speakers Bureau member Gina Hollenbach, who is ALK positive or ALK positive, have an amazingly positive take on the whole experience. It's so funny. I, I call myself a lucky girl, even though I have a stage four terminal lung cancer. Um, but I really do. I'm, I'm, I run. I'm a mom. I get to you know, enjoy my summers in the pool. And um, I I actually get to live um, because of science and research. I mean, I think, um, what if no one had ever found um, the ALK fusion? And I was so excited and and surprised to find out that the person who actually found ALK fusion in cancer was right here in Memphis, where I live. Speakers Bureau member Lisa Bonanno was also in the peak of health when she was diagnosed with lung cancer. And for her, living with lung cancer means being an advocate and also eating some great food. When you have cancer and you need to advocate for yourself, you have to learn a whole new language. You have to learn really quickly um, about research and what your options are and getting into good doctors and getting a second opinion. And I quickly learned that research funding federally was very, very low. Lung cancer is the number one cancer killer in the world for both men and women, and it gets very few federal dollars towards research. And that's why grants and even private funding, when people do walks in their neighborhoods and um, fundraisers and bake sales and stuff like that, all that money is so important. It goes towards research that has literally helped save my life and extended um, my years and helps me be here longer so I can advocate for others and to make memories with my family and to cook and eat yummy food. Lisa loves to cook for her husband. So many times, it is family members and friends who are helping to educate and raise awareness about lung cancer. April Remfer and her family are perfect examples of how family and friends are stepping up to make a difference. Our father, Bill Remfer, he was diagnosed with um, small cell lung cancer in May 2016. Um, He was giving a prognosis of about a year to live, um, and he passed away in November 2016. When he passed away, uh, my brothers and I kind of looked at each other and said we really wanted to do something to create awareness for lung cancer because we didn't even know he had lung cancer when he was diagnosed. He thought he had pneumonia, just a cold, wasn't feeling well, and it took about two months to actually get the diagnosis of lung cancer, and it was just two months too late. So we really just wanted to promote lung cancer and, you know, make it more aware because we never thought we would be dealing with that in our lives. And how we did this, we wanted to use the one thing my dad created with my mother, Cheryl, and loved the most, which is his company, DeFalco's, that we all, all of us children run and operate. And what we decided to do was wrap our tow trucks. So we have two dedicated tow trucks. 
one in New Jersey and one in South Carolina, and they're all decked out and wrapped with Lung Cancer Foundation of America. We service in South Carolina about 150 to 200 people a day. In New Jersey, it's double that. So we are reaching massive amounts of people every day just with our lung cancer wrapped trucks. Lisa Goldman has a great take on how her living with lung cancer is made possible through research. You wouldn't know from seeing me on the street that I have stage four lung cancer and was told I wouldn't survive out the year 2014. I mean, I live, I have such a great quality life. I'm raising my kids. I exercise every day. I uh, do my crafts. I, I am helping around the house. I, I just, I, I have some side effects I deal with, but for the most part, I am living a really wonderful life. So it's not just that I'm, I've survived, but I have such a good quality of life on this targeted therapy. And that's 100% due to research. So I couldn't be more grateful and supportive of our lung cancer researchers. We had so much fun seeing how this group is truly living with lung cancer. And that's the whole goal behind lung cancer research adding longer and healthier years with family and friends. Up next, we'll talk to the co-founders of LCFA about why they decided to get involved in patient advocacy. Are you enjoying the Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast? Consider making a donation to help LCFA produce this resource for patients or anyone seeking answers, hope, and access to updated treatment information scientific investigation, and clinical trials. Just text LCF America to 41444 to join in this important fight. LCFA's mission is to fund early stage research that will help researchers apply for bigger grants moving the fight against lung cancer forward step by step. LCFA was founded by three people whose lives were all affected by lung cancer in some way. One, co-founder David Sturgis, shares the story of the commitment and passion of co-founder Lori Monroe, who worked tirelessly as a patient advocate after her diagnosis. Lori Monroe was a nurse uh, in Kentucky diagnosed with lung cancer at a very, very young age in her early 40s. Uh, like many diagnoses, by chance, uh, she was had been hospitalized for something else and then was advised, well, your big problem is lung cancer. And Lori went on to take to take on lung cancer as her mission, not only for herself, but for all the other people and their families and their friends who were affected by lung cancer. And she became very active in patient advocacy, uh, pressing home the importance of patient advocacy, not only within what I'll call the lung cancer community, but with, uh, meaning the patients and their families, but to the medical field as well, telling doctors, telling researchers, we need to be involved. We are an important part mm-hmm. of this. And I think that your young investigators just corroborated what Lori Absolutely. campaigned for all of those all of those years. And she was incredibly instrumental uh, in 
uh, bringing some wonderful dynamic changes to uh, lung cancer research. She was uh, not only a patient advocate, but she also participated in clinical trials and became a huge advocate uh, for clinical trials and, and helping people understand what it is and why it's important to you and why it's important to lung cancer research. Lori Monroe's work continues with each person living longer and healthier with lung cancer, and with each young investigator who's working so hard to unlock the secrets to better treatments. Thank you to Speakers Bureau members Frank McKenna, Terry Connoran, Jill Feldman, Gina Hollenbeck, Lisa Bonanno, April Remfer, and Lisa Goldman. And thank you to LCFA's co-founders, David Sturgis and Kim Norris. Join us next time for another Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast. You'll be notified every time a new episode is available. So visit us online at lcfamerica.org where you can find more information about the latest in lung cancer research, new treatments, and more. You can also join the conversation with LCFA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.